Have you ever gone on social media or just been browsing online and you get these ads where you just know that they know you, <laughs> right? Like they know exactly what page you've been to. They know what you've clicked on. They know what you've bought before. And the marketing is specifically targeted to you. Well, that's an example of an algorithm. And that's the subject of today's mental model. Welcome to Stock Stories. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the Stock Stories Podcast. My name is Alex Mason, and I am your host and stock storyteller. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the show where we decode the business behind the stock and look at mental models to better improve our thinking and our investment process. So thank you so much for listening. Today's episode is going to be about a mental model. You know, every other week on the show, we cover a new company, a new story of a stock. Usually in the S&P 500, we're going through the entire list there and have almost made it to 100 companies. But today we are going to do mental models. So let's go ahead and get into it. Let's learn about algorithms. All right, let's talk about the mental model of algorithms today. First of all, we need to define exactly what an algorithm is before we get into anything else. So the first thing is the basic definition. An algorithm is a set of defined instructions that a computer uses to go from an input to an output. So it's basically like the recipe for how to get from point A to point B with a certain function. Now, the way that these mental model episodes are structured is we will go into an explanation of the concepts, a little bit more theoretical, but don't worry, we won't go too deep into that. And then we're going to look at how do we apply this mental model from the perspective of an investor. Okay, first let's look at the concept itself. Well, the concept of an algorithm, it's been around for centuries and it didn't actually even originate with computers. Mathematicians have been using them ever since math was invented. You can think of algorithms as a recipe for going from one thing to another, but using math. So here's a quick example. You can think about a simple algebraic equation Let's just keep it super simple. X plus Y equals Z. Okay, got it. X plus Y equals Z. If we say that X equals one and we say that Y always equals X plus two, well, then what is Y equal? Y equals X plus two. We know that X is one. So one plus two is three. Y equals three. So X equals one. Y equals three. 
So what is z equal? It's just 1 plus 3, right? x plus y equals 1 plus 3. So that's 4. z equals 4. And this is just a really simple example of an algebraic equation, right? So let's say instead that x doesn't equal 1, let's pretend that x equals 2. How would things change here? Well, we already have a rule that defines what y is and a rule defining what z is. So this is pretty easy to calculate. So we said before that y is just whatever x is plus 2. So if x equals 2, then y equals 4. So what would z be then? z is x plus y, remember? So if x equals 2 and y equals 4, 2 plus 4 equals 6. So you see how basically the formula changes just by changing one of the variables. And you could keep going for any number, but as long as you know what x is, you'll also know what y and z is from this simple addition problem. So that's just a very basic example of what an algorithm would look like. So that's an example of what a very, very simple algorithm would look like from a math perspective. But let's look at things from a different perspective too, because these mental models are pretty wide reaching in their implications. We can also think of algorithms from the perspective of biology. Our brains are actually made up of neural networks. There's these cells in our brains called neurons that connect to each other in literally millions of different ways. And the way you can think about it is it's kind of like an electrical circuit just inside of our head. So when we think of a memory, it might trigger other memories that are related to it. You ever had that happen to you? Like you see someone or you hear something and then that makes you think of something else. What's literally going on is your brain circuitry is literally making a computation and connecting two ideas using a sort of biological algorithm. And this is happening constantly. I mean, our brains are really complex and even modern science doesn't completely understand how our brains work. It's kind of an amazing thing. But this is just another example of how algorithms shape and impact everything because our brain is literally a computer and it's constantly computing different things and using these neural connections to effectively create algorithms for us. Algorithms have grown to mean much more than simple algebra though, and more than just the biological implications, especially if we look at how they've been applied to computer programs. So computer programs, it's just logic written in the form of code to perform some desired function. So for example, if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify or maybe Apple Podcasts, when you leave a rating and a review for stock stories, it triggers something in the software to tell the system that this podcast is worthy of a higher rank, right? So say you go onto Apple Podcasts and you leave a review and you rate this show five stars, that might trigger the show to move up the charts, which gives it more visibility for potential new listeners. And that's run by an algorithm. So think about a different context too. When you open up your email, 
Now, as you check your messages, there are actually algorithms running in the background that will register every single action that you take, such as when you open a message, when you reply to a message, when you mark something as spam, all of those things are tracked and recorded. And if you use Gmail from Google, have you ever noticed that over the past couple of years, Google has implemented technology that actually predicts the next phrase of your sentence as you type it? It's pretty amazing, but kind of creepy. Now, I turned that feature off. But the point is, all of these technologies are built off of algorithms designed by computer scientists to make computing tasks more efficient. Now, some of them are simple, while others are more complex. So you get the idea now? An algorithm can be a computer program, it can be a math equation, or it can be a neural network inside of our heads. So how do we translate this into the world of investing? Well, I think about this in a couple of different ways. So first, algorithms are increasingly automating the investment process for passive investors. So think about things like index funds or ETFs. And then secondly, algorithms are increasingly automating the creation and delivery of goods and services. I mean, especially if they're digital. And that has a profound influence on consumer behavior. So let's take a minute to explore each of these sides of algorithms in the context of investing. So a lot of investments are automated these days using some kind of algorithm or rule set. And I want to walk through just one example with you. So for example, think about an S&P 500 index fund. You know, we're always talking about the S&P 500. We're analyzing these companies within the index. But what actually determines the companies that go into the index? And an even better question might be, what determines the companies that go into a fund that tracks the index? So for example, why did Etsy recently get added to the index? And why did H&R Block recently get removed? Well, in order for companies to be included within the index, they have to meet certain criteria that's set by a committee at Standard & Poor's. That's what the S&P stands for. And this organization basically controls this index. But we can think of the rules that they set for this index as kind of an algorithm. And for example, here are some of the criteria. Number one, it has to be a US-based company. You can't have companies that are based outside of the United States in the S&P 500. Number two, it has to already trade on the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ. So it's got to already be publicly listed. Number three is it has to have a market capitalization. And remember, that's just the price per share of the stock multiplied by the number of shares that exists. That's the market cap. That market cap has to be over $13.1 billion in order for it to qualify. So it's got to be a relatively big company. And then those are just three of the criteria. There's more, but that's just an example to show you of the different rules that it takes to create this index. Now, not only is this an algorithm in itself, but funds that track this index effectively have their own algorithms that respond to changes within the underlying index. So let me give you an example. 
Let's say you own an S&P 500 index fund in your 401k retirement plan at work. And it's managed by a company, maybe it's Fidelity or Vanguard. And that company has created a fund that tracks the index. They call it their S&P 500 index fund, (laughs) right? Now, when a new stock gets added to the index at Standard & Poor's, this triggers a buy order for the fund because they want their fund to mimic the composition of the index. And the same holds true if a component is dropped, right? Your S&P 500 index fund, as well as everyone else's at all of the other fund companies, are forced to sell that one component that no longer resides in the index. Now, what do you think happens to the price of the stock? (laughs) Well, it's going to go down, right? If it's getting sold simultaneously all around the country or all around the world. Now, this happens whether or not you think it's a company that you should personally be invested in. It's just an automated set of rules that's set up by other people that you are buying into. So every time you buy shares of an index fund, you are agreeing to the algorithm, to the set of rules that whatever committee that governs that fund or index sets. So just be aware of that as an investor. That's actually one reason, I'll just (laughs) add a quick aside here. That's one reason I love investing in individual stocks is because guess what? I set the rules. I set the criteria of what makes a great stock investment. I'm the one looking at each individual component and analyzing them to try to understand if they would make a great investment. When you're invested in an index fund, you are giving up that choice, essentially. You're you're assigning the weightings of your portfolio to someone else's way of thinking. And although I think that there's a lot of great data to support index fund investing historically, I think that investing in individual stocks can be another great alternative. And I'll just say that as someone who is currently invested in both ways. I do own index funds, but I also own individual stocks. All right, so now let's talk about algorithms influence on consumer behavior. Now, this is a big topic. I won't get into all of the nitty gritty of it, but I do want to try to look at it at a high level from the investor's perspective. Now, let's talk for a moment about how this works. Now, algorithms are now being used in every conceivable industry to automate processes and make decision-making faster. Now, this is happening both at the corporate level internally and also externally at the customer level. Now, as an example, a company might buy some software, let's say from Salesforce, for example, because we've covered that company in the past. That software might automate their sales and customer relations functions. Now, this has the effect of saving them time and money because they don't have to develop a more manual or complex system themselves. They can outsource it to this piece of software. And the software contains algorithms that's making all of these things happen. Now, as an example, on the consumer side, think about a company like Amazon. Now, the average Amazon purchase takes somewhere around... 10 minutes or so to complete with 28% of Amazon purchases happening after just three minutes, (laughs) three minutes. Now that's not by accident. Our purchasing 
decisions are engineered as much as possible by all of the apps that we use. So by tracking our previous buying behavior and even tracking where we tap on a screen and how long we linger there, engineers can design apps to draw us in and keep us spending more money and more of our attention on their products. Now, all we have to do is look at some of the big tech companies to see an example of how algorithms are at work. I mean, entire software empires have been built off of algorithms. Amazon is just one example. Look at Google, look at Facebook, look at Netflix. Now, if you're a Netflix subscriber, do you remember when Netflix used to just show a picture of a movie or a show, right? It was just like a static image. Now, as you're scrolling through the Netflix queue, or through the, through the app on your TV, a trailer automatically starts playing. Even if you hover over the title for just a couple of seconds, it just starts playing. Now, when you're done watching something too, let's say you select something to watch, you finish watching your movie, and then Netflix doesn't even give you time to watch the credits anymore by default. <laughs> In order to keep you on the platform and keep you engaged, Netflix uses an algorithm to automatically start playing the next episode in the series, or if it's a movie, another related movie, so that you binge watch by default. <laughs> Isn't that so interesting when you think about it, especially compared to the way that it was just a couple of years ago? This is not like history that's many years in the past. This is very recent. So as investors and as consumers, we need to be cognizant of all of these things. Companies that are able to effectively apply algorithms, mainly through the use of software, to capture people's attention and trigger them to pay for something, have a significant advantage over companies who do not do this. Now, this is why big tech companies have come to dominate the American economy over the past decade or so. It's because they've figured out how to craft algorithms in such a way that they can keep people coming back for more, increasing their revenue from ads, products, etc., things like that. So this is just something we need to be cognizant of as investors and as consumers. So if you're considering buying stock in a tech firm, especially a firm that creates software, Try to understand how are they using algorithms to their advantage? Do they actually have technology that's superior to their competitors? Or are they basically just copying the business model or technology of somebody else and trying to have some other different type of competitive advantage? Algorithms relate to technology and technology can be a major competitive advantage for certain businesses, but it's not necessarily a guarantee of competitive advantage. So you have to really understand this if you're trying to invest in this area because that can make or break a tech firm, right? Like <laughs> if Google didn't have the best algorithms, then they wouldn't be what they are today. So just think about that and make sure you stay within your circle of competence when you're investing or thinking about investing in such a company.
All right. I hope that this gave you some food for thought. That is the mental model of algorithms. And remember, we're going to go through every single mental model out there, every single tool that I can find that will help you as an investor to think better. I'm going to find it. I'm going to research it. And I'm going to share my learnings with you. And so we're on this, on this journey together. Thank you so much for listening to the Stock Stories podcast. I am super excited because next week is going to be a very special episode, one that I've been working on for quite some time. So make sure to listen in next week for a new stock story. And I'm just really excited about this one. I mean, it's just without spoiling it, I can't uh, say too much about it, but just come back next Wednesday and we'll have another brand new stock story for you. All right. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. presented here on Stock Stories is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only. You and you alone are responsible for your investment and financial decisions. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, or financial advisor that can analyze your specific situation in the context of your goals and circumstances.